Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning, Steel City, or as the Pirates will debut today, PGH. On their new City Connect uniforms, welcoming the San Diego Padres to PNC Park. Bucks continuing to slide down the NL Central standings after losing three out of four in Miami, including helping Luis Urias to hit 400, even more so, raises batting average from around 398, now over 400 as the Marlins take care of the Buccos. A couple of occasions. The Pirates fought back in the 8th, fought back in the ninth to score a couple of runs, including the one victory in Miami. But for the Pirates, it's doom and gloom and wondering when the sun will come up once again on wins. And then the news that came down regarding Andrew McCutcheon. So McCutcheon and Pittsburgh is a match made in heaven. It's a dream made reality. The beloved Pittsburgh icon, face of the franchise, generational talent and a generation's favorite player and truly connection to baseball. But according to MLB Network insider J.P. Morosi, McCutcheon could be taken away from the city of Pittsburgh once again. Why? Well, Morosi states that the Pirates are likely sellers and he broaches the question of who could be traded at the August 1st deadline as the Pirates at this point are are showing no signs of letting up from this losing streak, 35 and 42 currently, fourth place in the NL Central, five and a half games back at the Milwaukee Brewers at 41 and 37 for Milwaukee, winners of two in a row. The Reds have lost three in a row after going on a historic winning streak of their own. Cincinnati, three games over 500, Cubs, two back, but the Pirates are only three games back of last place in the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Cardinals have not finished below the Pirates in the standings since 1999. Well, Morosi tweeted Monday afternoon, McCutcheon, he's 36, and he's having his best offensive season since 2015. Coincidence that that's the last time that the Pirates made the playoffs? I think not. And he's never played in a World Series. McCutcheon has played on contenders, Philadelphia, San Francisco, the Yankees, Milwaukee last year. But Morosi discusses that one potential option for the Pirates is that summer trade, which would be likely at the deadline to a contender, and a winter reunion. To sign him back in the winter, in the offseason, and have McCutcheon return to the Pirates to DH and be a key locker room figure, key man in the clubhouse, for 2024 as the Pirates look to try to regroup, and still, there's a half a season left. We haven't even reached 81 games yet. But McCutcheon's a borderline Hall of Famer. A World Series ring probably not go leaps and bounds to make him a Hall of Famer, but probably a more acceptable contender to improve his case. 
And Morosi later confirmed the Texas Rangers have expressed interest in Kutch, who they would want him to DH for the AL West leaders. Texas has been on a roll all season, guided by their offense and also some clutch pitching fourth in the league overall. But the Rangers would also want to add to their pitching staff. Morosi included that the Rangers would also like to acquire one pitcher in the deal as well if there was a shot that it would get done. But is there really a shot that it would get done? Andrew McCutcheon is Pittsburgh. You know, there's no indication on any front that the Pirates would trade arguably their best hitter outside of Brian Reynolds, who's on the injured list. And McCutcheon has continuously stated how comforting and enjoyable it is to be home in Pittsburgh, play in front of the PNC Park crowd. It elevates his game. And you can just tell by the way he's playing this year, batting 270, he's slashing 271, 394, 431, nine home runs, nine doubles, also has driven in 24 runs. He's walking at an incredible rate. He's just getting on base, 394. And... Currently, as the Pirates continue to struggle offensively, McCutcheon is the best player they put in the lineup on a consistent basis. Between G1 Bay, Jack Sawinski, Austin Hedges, and Rodolfo Castro, those four are combined 1 for 95 in the past 13 games. Sawinski 0 for 30, Castro 1 for 25, Bay 0 for 22, Hedges 0 for 18. Austin Hedges 0 for 18 as Andy Rodriguez was named to the MLB All-Stars Futures game to represent the Pirates as well as J.P. Massey, which will take place in Seattle at the All-Star game. And also since coming back, McCutcheon, we knew he would have these major milestones to be able to check off, more boxes to be able to cross for Hall of Fame candidacy. He was able to do so with 2,000 career hits, 400 doubles, He's four total bases away from 3,400 and four home runs away from 300. But the only logical reason that the Pirates would trade McCutcheon is if he requested it. It makes absolutely no sense for the Buckos to get rid of McCutcheon for what he means to not just the city. That's pretty obvious and apparent. And everybody realized how much he meant to Pittsburgh. I don't think it was ever questioned when he was traded away to San Francisco in the first place. A second trade, though, might make it too hard for some Pirates fans to come back unless the team is in the playoffs again. But if McCutcheon does one out, which it doesn't seem like there's any indication that he does, to win a championship and to be on a contender and re-sign with the team in the winter, if McCutcheon wants it, you might as well give it to him. But I don't think he does. Does it make sense to an extent? Maybe 22%, only realistically jersey number, to see one of the most beloved Pirates in history win a championship. But it doesn't make sense if McCutcheon isn't the one that's requesting it. Dealing 22 just from a leadership clubhouse baseball perspective doesn't make sense. He's not taking at-bats away from anybody that is earning them or needs it, like Sawinski, Bay, and Castor, or at least earning them at this point. It took until McCutcheon returned for many Pirates fans to express serious interest in the team and come back to PNC Park. And attendance numbers for when Henry Davis came up were one of the best for a weekend for a weekday series in years. 
And dealing with cuts in a way might be the final nail in the coffin for some supporters until the playoffs come around again. So Pirates insider Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette explained his belief that McCutcheon will stay. He stated that he's a Pirate truly for as long as he wants and that the Pirates knew that a reun- the reunion was going to happen. And McCutcheon, with the conversations that he had with Ben Sherrington, reaching out to Bob Nutting, making sure that he had a shot to be able to come back to Pittsburgh and close this thing out where it started and where he is the most comfortable, but also the city that he loves the most and that he's given the most to in his career and has given the most to him. Mackey also reiterated McCutcheon's previous statements and rejoined the Pirates. McCutcheon has said, it's everything I've wanted, and also, I don't want to continue my career on any other team. So, when even when the Pirates played in Seattle, the site of the All-Star game this year, McCutcheon has made five All-Star games. He explained he wanted to return in 2024 to Mackey as well as others. And connecting the dots, McCutcheon wants to stay in Pittsburgh. He doesn't want to put on a black and gold uniform ever again. And the only reason he would is if he wants to try to chase a championship again, which maybe he feels like he's already done with Philadelphia and also half a season with the Yankees after being dealt there, playing half the year with San Francisco after the Pirates traded him to be able to get Brian Reynolds and what was arguably one of the worst trades in Pirates history, just from getting rid of McCutcheon in a morale standpoint. Might be one of the best because you have both and Reynolds under contract throughout the decade. But information always gets out if somebody wants it out. There is absolutely no chance that the Pirates, well, that the McCutcheon camp would leak this. It wouldn't make any sense sense for the Pirates losing 12 of the last 13 to do it too and continue to make a snowball into an avalanche and more negative attention and negative publicity towards the Pirates. And the suddenness of the rumor, though, with over a month of the deadline is pretty puzzling. It's painting the Bucks in a more negative light than you really could. And anybody's going to try to take some negative jabs and negative looks at the Pirates. But the Rangers are likely the ones playing the market. If there's anyone right now, it's not McCutcheon. It's not his agent. It's not the Pirates. Probably the Rangers are the ones that are trying to see, put it out there, and see if anybody bites at it. Trying to throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Does this mean that we should be on McCutcheon watch for the next month? I would think not. But the slide, if it does continue, and at this point in time, there's no reason to think that it won't until the Pirates turn the tide and continue to pitch well but get the offense going, which has been the most egregious struggle in this losing skid. Rich Hill and Carlos Santana are likely gone. Carlos Santana is arguably top three in terms of gold glove candidates at first base as well. Rich Hill at 43 can still give you innings. He's valuable in some instances. But the case is different surrounding McCutcheon. The emotional relationship between McCutcheon and Pittsburgh, they need each other. A trade isn't going to be halted because of that, though, obviously. Baseball economics has proven that to us. But even more so due to his impact on young players, and his high production level. It would be shocking and a telling sign for where the organization truly sees itself heading in the next year. But wouldn't you rather have McCutcheon be able to have a full season with Jack Sawinski, with Juwan Bay, but more especially with Henry Davis? I would imagine that McCutcheon is being a helping hand to Henry Davis in right field, even though 
McCutcheon has not played there very much at all. Only a handful of games with the Pirates out there this season, but he's manned the outfield his entire career. He has experience with other teams in right. But also for Nick Gonzalez, for Andy Rodriguez, for Laover Perguero, for anybody else that comes up in the Pirates minor league system, Travis Swaggerty, if we ever get to see him again, with all the unfortunate things that have gone on with his wife, with his health, with both of their healths this past year. I don't know. Unless McCutcheon wants to go try to win another ring, Texas is one of those teams where they've kind of surprised everybody. The Rangers have broken onto the scene. Marcus Semien's there. Corey Seager's there. Garcia's there. And a good pitching staff led by Nathan Avaldi. And they're doing this all without Jacob deGrom, who they signed to a massive contract over the season, over the offseason. It would be fascinating to say the least, but I just don't see any way that it happens. Probably a 5% realistic chance, and that was only if McCutcheon wants it. And I don't think there's any chance McCutcheon wants it. I, I think he truly believes that they can win in Pittsburgh. The skids continue to make you think otherwise. But this isn't a one-year thing for McCutcheon. And if it was, there's probably a higher likelihood that he would be dealt. But McCutcheon has expressed all interest in coming back in 2024. And why wouldn't he? The way that he continues to produce at the plate and just command the Pirates lineup in a way that nobody else has, especially with Brian Reynolds out. The Wake Up Show is presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber and apply at 84lumber.com. Coming up next, when I woke up yesterday, I had one true opinion on who the Pirates should pick number one in the draft. Then I went to bed with another point of view, and I woke up this morning starting to believe that point of view even more. Who should the Buckos take at 1-1? There's three likely candidates, but truly, there's two. And by reports that came out yesterday, maybe it's just one. That's coming up next here on the Fan Early Morning Show. I'm Austin Bechtold with you. Fan Early Morning Show, I'm Austin Bechtold with you. After LSU absolutely demolished Florida in the College World Series, and one reason why they were there and one reason why they won the game are the top two candidates to go to the Pittsburgh Pirates at the top of the Major League Baseball draft. Here in just a couple of weeks. The final 18 to 4. LSU improved to 25, 20, 54 and 17 overall. Florida with the exact same record as well. And it was just domination after Wyatt Langford hit a two run home run for Florida. Somebody who could be in contention even for the number one spot to the Bucks, depending on money situations with. The top two picks from LSU. So after Langford's home run, though, LSU outscored Florida 18-2. Six runs in the second, four in the fourth, one in the seventh, three in the eighth, four in the ninth. It was over once the fourth inning was over. And the score 10-2. It was over after the second inning. Dylan Cruz went four for six, walked, drove in a run, scored three times. He improved his batting average to four 26 on the season. 426 in 71 games. Cruz walked 71 times and struck out 46. He stole a couple bases, got on base at a 
567 clip and slugged 713 for the national champion Tigers. 18 home runs, which was not his career high. Career higher of 22 last year for LSU in nine fewer games. Also drove in 72 last year. He drove in 70 this year. But his walk rate was up. His doubles were up from last year. He had a triple in his second to last at-bat, singled in his final at-bat, tripled in the eighth, singled in the ninth. And he scored 100 total runs on this season. LSU had two players to finish the year with 100 in total runs. And then there's Paul Skeens. Played at Air Force for two seasons, transferred to LSU to be a part of this contending team that ended up winning it all. In 122 and two-thirds innings, Skeens, a 169 ERA, one of the best in all of college baseball, one of the best pitching seasons and pitching performances on numerous occasions in the College World Series of any player in LSU history. 12-2 and two overall in 19 starts, two complete games. He allowed 72 hits. He struck out 209 and 122 and two-thirds. He walked 20. That's it. 23 earned runs. He allowed seven home runs, had eight wild pitches, and just complete and utter domination for Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. And it brings up a big-time question on who the Pirates will select number one overall. Is Wyatt Langford truly an option? The outfielder from Florida who had a good year, hit 370, has some pop in his bat from the right side. Probably not. It's likely going to be one of the two guys from LSU. Well, it has started to narrow down potentially even more due to one of the two voluntarily taking his name out of the running. Dylan Cruz potentially does not want to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. According to ESPN's new mock draft, Dylan Cruz was there, but now Paul Skeens, due to potential negotiation plays from the Cruz camp. So the industry buzz around baseball and draft circuits from ESPN, there's a belief that from those plugged into the Pirates pick, the Cruz camp will not be willing to take whatever is offered at the first pick. And some describe it as, quote, not interested. But others saying that it's, quote, maybe just a negotiation play. There's speculation on how to take it from just indications and how everything might be, but McDaniel, the author for ESPN, discussed how he's been hearing since February, February, right around the start of the college baseball season, that the Pirates have been aggressively looking into non-Cruise options. Cruise has been the consensus number one pick since the conclusion of last season, since the middle of last season for this upcoming draft, that once the Pirates knew that they won the draft lottery, he was penciled in, not written in pen, maybe erasable pen, if they still make those, that he was likely going to be the top choice. Especially with the Pirates continuing to falter offensively. They had scored no runs. They scored no runs in the 2 to nothing defeat on Sunday. And offense was a struggle against every starting pitcher that the Pirates faced. I don't know if they scored a run off of a starter, maybe one or two in Miami. It was mostly the 7th, 8th, ninth where the Pirates were getting runs. Even one in the 10th in the game that they lost on Saturday in extra innings in the 11th. 
after David Bednar was not able to conclude, able to get the save, and Angel Perdomo ended it on the mound in the bottom half of the 11th. Well, the Pirates are looking into other prospects. Even though Cruz was the consensus best prospect, the Pirates have been continuing to look into guys. And it's smart to be able to do so, just to be able to keep your options open and do your due diligence. But Cruz, at this point, would cost full slot or likely over slot. The Pirates believe this, according to ESPN, but there's still a case to be made that the Pirates might do what they did with Henry Davis, sign him under slot instead of going with shortstops Marcelo Meyer or Jordan Lawler, who were good high school players, but go with the talented Henry Davis, who made his debut a week ago yesterday, and play it out with a college bat who will be able to fast-track his way to the major leagues like Davis did. So just for reference, this year's slots are higher than last year. $9.72 million at pick number one is the bonus slot for the top pick. Last year at number one, it was $8.84 million when the Orioles drafted Jackson Holiday. They gave him $8.19 million. Drew Jones, the second pick, was also not that far behind. Jack Leiter, when he went second behind Henry Davis, it was either Jack Leiter, Henry Davis, Kumar Rocker, who kind of fell into f- bad fortune and now in Texas had another injury complication that came up. Leiter got $7.9 million. Torkelson, the year before in 2020, to the Tigers got $8.42 million. Adley Rutschman in 2019, $8.1 If the Pirates pass on Cruz and decide to take Paul Skeens, who the Pirates could be leaning towards due to his breakout fantastic season, he was a two-way player before deciding to focus heavily on pitching this year, hone in his craft on the mound, knowing that he could be a consensus top five pick, now top three pick, now potentially the number one pick. So it's fascinating to see what the Pirates might do. They could just sign, draft Cruz, See what happens. The number one overall pick is not going to balk at an offer where the Pirates will probably still offer him more than what Jackson Holiday got last year, especially as a college bat. But it bodes the question, would you rather have somebody who plays every day or a pitcher who can dominate on the mound and be able to give you maybe seven innings on a consistent basis, pitch 200 innings, and make consistent all-star teams and be the anchor of your rotation. You can have a star center fielder who is also represented by Scott Boris, which is never in the likings of anybody in small markets and just baseball economics in general, where Scott Boris clients do not sign long-term extensions with small market clubs rarely at all, and they play it out and go to free agency on almost every occasion. Or the Pirates would go with Paul Skeens, see how he can anchor the rotation, and just see what happens. It's very, very compelling. I think the Pirates at this point go with Skeens. They need an anchor in the rotation to go alongside Mitch Keller. If you draft Paul Skeens, who I do have some concerns about, his first season at Air Force, he did not start a game. He pitched 48 innings in relief, and he he pitched 52 innings for Air Force Last year, 15 starts on the year. In 85 and two-thirds innings, he allowed 70 hits, 26 earned runs, struck out 96. But this was the breakout campaign. I don't think he's a one-hit wonder, 
for one season with LSU. But when you strike out 209 over 122 and two-thirds, and the previous season you only struck out 11 more batters than full innings pitched, maybe you should have a little bit of concern. But there's a lot more time now that the college baseball season has wrapped up to continue to discuss it. Stats won't be changing. Performances are done, locked in, in the books. And the Pirates, at 1-1, have a compelling fascination on their hands where one player might not want to be here. And the second, Paul Skeens could be in potentially even a year. If the Pirates were in contention for the NL Central and truly in contention for the NL Central, like five games over 500, or where Milwaukee is even at this point, could you even see him in September? Probably not, but it's an interesting comparison to be able to make. Interesting topic to be able to broach. But right now, it's likely that the Pirates will continue to look at Cruz and Skeens. And ultimately, just with everything surrounding Cruz, it kind of puts a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Or do you just pick the best player available, play him for seven years with his service time, and then he leaves in free agency and you see what happens? If he becomes an ultimate star, that's what's going to happen. But for the Pirates, lots of questions on the Major League team and still a couple in terms of the Major League Baseball draft, which is just a couple weeks away. I'm Austin Bechtel on the Fan Early Morning Show. Coming up, Chris Letang was honored with a prestigious award honoring his courage and dedication to hockey. We'll tell you about it coming up next here on the Fan Early Morning Show on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. I'm Austin Bechtel with you here on today's Fan Early Morning Show. On Tuesday, June 27th, as last night, Chris Letang was honored at the NHL Awards ceremony as the winner of the Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy. The award is given to the player who best exemplifies qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Chris Letang went through so much this past season. With the passing of his father, he overcame his second stroke. He played in his 1,000th career game. And he had a stroke in 2014 as well, be able to come back from this after only a few weeks of rest. It says so much about who Chris Letang is, how he takes care of himself, but also what this big three has been through together for the Penguins. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. And it makes it even more difficult, not just that Latang won this award, but it makes it so much difficult for the Penguins where you can't really move on from them. You just can't at this point. What other options do you have? I think you saw last season after Latang, Malkin, and Crosby, Gensel, what other production was there? And then Tristan Jari and the debacle of whether to resign him in free agency or not. But congratulations to Chris Letang, somebody who deserves it for the way that he battled back from so much adversity, his perseverance to the sport. Sportsmanship included in the description for the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy, which Letang won last night. Just being recognized throughout the league and the kindness that he has, and his son was there to accept the award with him. And it was just a great moment for the Penguins and for Chris Letang in general just to be able to have that moment. And it makes you think, what are the Penguins going to do as the NHL draft is on Wednesday? 
Ron Hext Ron Hextall is way gone, long gone in favor of Kyle Dubas. And the Penguins not looking to trade the first round pick at all to be able to potentially add anybody. It might be that the Penguins eat some salary to take on some players who come with a little bit of risk, maybe more so financially, but they have the chance to be able to do something and maybe that's a goalie. Who knows? Lots of questions surrounding the Penguins before training camp, but no one questioning the character of Chris Letang. I'm Austin Bechtold here on the Fan Early Morning Show. The pre-show is coming up next here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 